We're for sharing innovative treatments and preventing disease before it ever develops. Learn how our team is working to better care for you on this edition of UVA Health System Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Your eyes are so precious, but when your vision is compromised or you suffer from dry eye, you realize how important it is to get the best care. My guest today is Dr. Jeffrey Golan. He's a fellowship-trained ophthalmologist at UVA Health System. Welcome to the show. Dr. Golan, tell us a little bit about dry eye. People have heard this term, and they don't even really know what it means. Hi, thank you for having me. So there's actually two different types of dry eye. There's a dry eye where you don't produce enough tears, then there's another type of dry eye where we do produce enough tears, but our tears are really not adequate to keep our eyes lubricated. They don't have the right components, and there's some uh, inflammatory problems with the tears. So what are some of the complications? I mean, we all need to keep moist eyes and be able to make tears. So what can happen if you can't? Well, I think a lot of people get confused about dry eye. They um, they try, try to compare it to dry skin, I think. Um, and for a lot of men uh, who might have dry skin, they don't really get too worked up about it. But the problem with dry eye is that it will not only lead to discomfort, but will actually cause um, issues with vision. It can cause blurred vision or issues with glare. So it actually does affect our vision. So what do you do? I mean, how do you even, first of all, know if you have it? Will your eyes be itchy? Will they feel that dryness? Like you say, like dry skin, but will it feel itchy and and like you just need something in there? What does it feel like? What are some symptoms? Well, it really does depend on the patient, but oftentimes, yes, um, the patient will complain of eyes that feel dry or irritated, or sometimes in severe cases, it will actually feel like something is in the eye. Okay, so if they've got any of these, they get to an ophthalmologist pretty quickly because you don't want to mess around with your eyes. What do you do for them? How do you find out this is what's going on? So first we check their vision and examine the patient. Um, There are a number of different tests we can do to check to see how dry one's eyes are or, or if they're having issues with dry eye. After we do these tests and properly make a diagnosis, then we move forward to the treatment. There are a number of different modalities we use to treat this. We typically start with artificial tears, actually. It's usually the most simple way to start. It's not always adequate for every patient, but artificial tears are available over the counter. I think one of the most common problems that patients make is that they'll, instead of buying artificial tears, they'll actually buy eye drops that are designed to get the red out. And in fact, these drops, while they do do a good job of getting the red out, are not designed for long-term use. So what will happen is the patients will be on these drops and their eyes will be perfectly white, uh, but they'll not be adequately lubricated. So then, so then if they're using those products, which are not the right product for this situation, do you put them on a product that they have to then be on long-term, Dr. Golan, or is this something that is maybe comes and goes? Well, it can come and go depending on the environment. It's typically worse in the winter um, because there's less humidity in the air. I, I talk to patients about um, modifying their environment so it's the best possible environment for their dry eye. For example, recommending staying away from fans at nighttime, using a humidifier if possible um, in their house, things such as this. And then for for the artificial tears, we typically start as an, at an as-needed basis. So... Um, if the patients uh, are doing fairly well with environmental modification, just as needed. But if the patients are still having issues with dry eye, then we're going to go up on the artificial tears, use them more frequently. 
So now people have also heard about LASIK surgery, Dr. Golan. They hear it on commercials and late night television. And, you know, there's people all over the country that talk about this now. What is the connection between LASIK surgery and dry eye? Oh, that's a great question. There actually are quite a few um, connections. First off, people who um, have dry eye oftentimes do worse in contact lenses. And our patients who have issues with contact lenses are usually the first patients who want to get LASIK. Unfortunately, they're not always the best candidates because it, it is a fact that LASIK or its cousin procedure, PRK, will make the eye actually more dry. So uh, this is definitely something to keep in mind for someone who does have dry eye. Well, it sounds like a vicious circle if you have dry eye and you want to use contacts, but you can't because you have dry eye. You're the person who wants to have LASIK, but it can make the situation worse. So what do you, what do you tell people that they're just going to have to stick with glasses and use the artificial tears and go from there? What can they do? Well, they, they can um, be evaluated by an ophthalmologist to determine how bad their dry eye is. If it's mild dry eye, typically we can proceed with a procedure such as LASIK. And as long as the patient's educated that afterwards they will need to lubricate their eyes more aggressively, then it's fine. Um, if they have more severe dry eye, then we might think twice about doing the procedure. So it really, develop, it really depends on the scale of the dry eye, the, the actual problem. Are there certain people who are more likely, more at risk for dry eye? Yes, the elderly are more likely to have dry eye. In addition, um, women tend to have dry eye worse than men. Wow, why is that? Do we know? Um, I, we don't know exactly. We think it's related to hormones, though. Isn't everything just seem to be related to hormones? And what else can you tell the listener about LASIK surgery and how to find somebody? If you are somebody who maybe doesn't suffer from dry eye and you're somebody who really wants to consider LASIK surgery, how do you find somebody who's really good at it and that you can trust? Well, you want to find a doctor who's really willing to have the discussion about whether or not you're an ideal candidate for the procedure. Um, ideally, you should be a patient who has had a very stable refraction, meaning your glasses prescription hasn't changed recently. Um, you can't be pregnant, um, and you can't have any history of eye trauma to the eye, ideally. We don't want anyone with corneal scarring. So there are um, a, a few different things that make a patient a non-candidate for LASIK. Um, there's other tests that we do in addition to rule out a patient for um, the LASIK procedure. Um, things that we're looking for are thin corneas or corneas that have an abnormal shape. And you wouldn't really know this unless you saw an ophthalmologist and had the appropriate test taken. But we do this for safety. Um, patients who get LASIK typically have otherwise healthy eyes. And they see quite well with glasses, so they're, they're perfectly healthy. They just need the glasses. So as a result, we don't want to operate on eyes that are anything less than perfectly healthy. And what do you tell people when they ask you, is this a permanent condition now? Am I going to get LASIK surgery and be able to see perfectly and not have to do this again or never have to wear glasses? I can throw them away. And what do you tell people as a realistic outlook from this? That's a great question. It really depends on the patient's current situation. But I, I never promise that it's permanent because it's almost almost never permanent. Um, the reason why is what we do is we reshape the cornea so that the patient um, at any given time um, of surgery can see very well, uh, ideally at distance. Um, if the patient is over the age of 45, they will probably need some form of reading glasses uh, to see up close, especially if we set them for distance. In addition, if we're Dealing with patients who are a little bit older, they perhaps might develop cataracts in the future, um, which um, 
which would be another issue. So um, with your typical LASIK patient who might be in their 20s or 30s, um, they'll typically have at least 10 years of good vision without without glasses in, in the best case scenario. But it's almost never um, a permanent situation like that. And Dr. Golan, in just the last few minutes, give listeners your very best advice about LASIK, about dry eye, and why they should come to UVA ophthalmology for their care. Well, um, if you do have dry eye and you're considering LASIK, you should get evaluated for your dry eye first, in my opinion, because um, the LASIK procedure can actually worsen the dry eye. Um, One of the first things that any ophthalmologist will tell you is start with um, an eye drop such as artificial tears. Um, I typically prefer preservative-free artificial tears because preservatives can sometimes irritate the surface of the eye. So after we lubricate the eyes adequately, um, we can we can go from there, but there might be other procedures that are needed. For example, if people have severely dry eyes, we can actually put little plugs in their eyelids, and that can help hold in more natural tears. And why should they come to UVA Ophthalmology? Tell us about your team a little bit. So we've got a very strong team here. We cover every discipline of ophthalmology, and we have an optometrist who specializes in um, difficult-to-fit contact lenses. So we really have um, everyone across the board in, in one um, one department. So we have excellent specialists, no matter whether you need an oculoplastic surgeon, a retina specialist, or a cornea specialist. So we have everything covered. We communicate very well with each other. Thank you so much, Dr. Golan. What great information, so beautifully put. You're listening to UVA Health Systems Radio, and for more information, you can go to uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.